Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leaders Alliance podcast, and we're so glad you can join us today. And also those of you who are joining us in the future, welcome. We're glad you're here. We have a really fun guest uh, couple today that we're going to be spending some time with. I'll introduce them in just a moment. But before we get started, I just want to share with you a little bit about who we are, what our vision is, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. We are Leaders Alliance. We are a branch of a larger ministry called Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire began with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit 29 years ago, almost to the day. And my wife and I heard about it. We just dropped everything, went up to Toronto to receive this incredible blessing that the Lord was pouring out on his church. And over the course of the next decade, there were over almost 4 million people who visited uh, Toronto to receive a touch from God. And many wonderful ministries were launched out of that incredible experience and many names that you would know. But um, I joined back in with uh, John and Carol Arnott and Duncan and Kate Smith, who are now the leaders of the movement, about four years ago. They had me in as a consultant. I was actually consulting churches around the world, and uh, we were able to bring some impact to what they were doing. And they just said, wow, would you consider, you know, we've known each other for so many years. Would you consider coming on board with us? And the Lord really spoke to us and said, yes. I met with some of our leaders with a guy named Bill Johnson. He said, go for it. So we had confirmation on a number of levels. We joined into their ministry, and as a result, we're now leading a branch of that ministry called Leaders Alliance. And our passion is to see God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to empower every member of the body of Christ to be mighty, to be powerful, to discern and grow in their spiritual gifts so that they can actually move into different spheres of society, to the marketplace, to education, to medicine, to Hollywood, to media, and begin to impact those areas as ambassadors of the kingdom, that they would actually be building embassies within those different spheres to be able to bring God's kingdom grace to influence both the structures of the organization as well as the lives of individuals so that ultimately we can see the earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of God like the waters cover the sea. And so that's really what Leaders Alliance is all about. And uh, we have some amazing catalyst groups. So if you have a passion for Marketplace, we have a group that is there to serve and support you. If you have a passion for prophetic and intercession, we have a group that focuses on that. We actually gather in these groups to cross-pollinate, to strengthen one another, and to create a synergy in the body of Christ, a symbiotic relationship between different people of passion so that we can see God's kingdom come and as will be done. All right. So that's us. You can find us at leadersalliance.org. And we have some free training on there for you. If you want to join as a member, we welcome you. And we have some amazing tools. We have a, 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 a gosh, we have a course on kingdoms, leadership, kingdom foundations. And that leadership course is designed to help you become the leader that God's called you to be. We have an advanced course on leadership that helps you to become the organizational leader that God's ordained for you to be. And so our goal is to raise the leadership level of leaders around the world so that we can actually bring maximum glory to Jesus on our planet. All right. So today, 
I have Paul and Susan Kummer, and they are amazing leaders. I've gotten to know them to some extent, having served at Bethel Church, but they have been, for nine years, they've been serving the uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Leadership as revival group leaders. They have a rich history prior to that of pastoral leadership, great uh, season of, of fruitfulness in the kingdom. And now they've been serving younger emerging leaders in this powerful way. And I want to invite you on right now, uh, Susan and, and uh, Paul. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. And uh, I'm so glad that we can have this conversation together. So thank you. Thank you, Michael, for uh, inviting us on. We honor, respect you. What a privilege it's been to work with you, not closely, but in the big, the big Bethel Church um, and see the impact you have had on our students as you taught them of apostolic and pastoral skills. Oh, well, thank you so much. And we want to zero in uh, towards the latter part of our conversation on the book you guys have just released called Equipping the Saints. It's one of my favorite phrases. Uh, when I was uh, being discipled by John Wimber, he had a whole magazine called Equipping the Saints. It is, you know, really, I, you know, I've been known to say this before that the most important verse in Ephesians 4 is not verse 11, it's verse 12. <laughs> equipping the saints. In other words, if verse 12 is not happening, verse 11 is irrelevant, you know? And so the fact that you guys use that phrase to launch your book is awesome. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but I want you to begin by just sharing a little bit of your story. Who are you? Where did you come from? How did you find each other? How did you find Jesus? And how did you begin your ministry? And what's your ministry journey look like? Let's, let's go there first and get a sense of your backdrop. That'd be wonderful. Uh, we, we both grew up as pastor's kids, uh, separate parts of the nation. Um, our parents, our, both our parents were uh, Lutheran pastors, but wow. of the charismatic bent. So we wow. were blessed to grow up with parents and, and churches hungry for the Holy Spirit, even though the Lutheran church is cessationist and doesn't necessarily like that or have a, a grid for that. But um, we, we got to grow up being exposed to all that. That's and so got good. a front row seat for what life in ministry is like and, <laughs> and how that impacts, impacts families. Um, mm -hmm. We both had very healthy up, upbringings. Um, and, and in a way that, um, so that set us up nicely for mm -hmm. being in ministry in, in a healthy way. Um, yes. we, we were able to be a part of the, uh, or visit at least, uh, the airport Toronto Vineyard movement. And, and we were our, once we met each other, we were our from the uh, Pensacola outpouring or from, from mm -hmm. Brownsville. Her yeah. mom sent us to IHOP because she knew we just needed more of, of Jesus that way. And actually, we met um, because of the Brownsville revival. I, I was living you know, across the country and heard what God was doing, how he was moving, and said, I'm just hungry for that. Um, and our parents, it was an old-fashioned <laughs> arranged marriage. Old, old Testament <laughs> arranged marriage where... Our parents first said, hey, I've got a son, I've got a daughter. Yeah, both hungry for Jesus, they ought to meet. So we, um, you know, I drove down to go to the Brownsville Revival, and um, we pretty much fell off, and a couple months later got engaged, and then wow. got married just a few months so after good. that. And then 
and then went every weekend, just about every other weekend to Brownsville, just to soak it in and come back and give give away whatever the people could receive. So that was like 95, 96, right? Somewhere in that time frame. Yes. That's so good. So yeah, so give us a little bit more. You know, how did you guys end up finally going to Bethel? What was the yeah. journey like to that destination? I was, I was pastoring in Destin, Florida, on the Panhandle near Pensacola, and then she just joined into the ministry, and we just, uh, um, we were just hungry for more. The congregation um, was hungry for more, but only to a certain extent. So, so we uh, we went came to Bethel in in two thousand nine and two thousand ten for some Um The and, and just got wrecked at what's possible in the kingdom. And we knew healing, but we hadn't uh, seen it right away when we prayed. Uh, we knew about prophecy, but we didn't know everybody could prophesy. Mm -hmm. So we came and went to two different conferences, two different years in a row. And then we said, God, would you release us from our call at the Lutheran church? Because we have to go after the more. So wow. it, it, was, uh, it was fun to see what God did. Um, after the conferences coming back to a people who were hungry, who loved well, who trusted us mm -hmm. because there had been years of trust built up. Um, so they, 20, 22 years. Wow. That's amazing. And so to, at the end of service, then open it up and give opportunity. Hey, if you need healing in your bodies, once you come to the front um, for ministry. So, so there was a period of time mm -hmm. where things looked a little different in the church, um, where where people did start coming forward. Many, where, many healings. Yeah, people started getting healed. You want to tell them about your elders? And then when we came back, the night we came back from one of the conferences, we had an I had my elders meeting. Six of six elders got healed or significantly better mm -hmm. in that meeting. So they That's all thought, what is this something new or what? Yeah, so something was shifting yeah. in the church, wow. um, and and it was like, oh, what do what do we do? The, there's there's not necessarily a grid for that in the in the denominational structure, mm -hmm. um, sure. and the church was full of a lot of people who had come from other churches because of hurts and, uh. and um, issues that way, and so so we're in this tension of. You know, we love the people, and and they're they love Jesus well, mm -hmm. and they love each other well, and they and they do great evangelism in the community because that was our congregation was known for. Good, yeah, that's amazing. Twenty two years that's not a that's not a simple little assignment. You guys, no. you guys paid your dues. I know that Diane and I were senior pastors in San Francisco for twenty five years, and mm -hmm. and uh, you learned certain things mm -hmm. <laughs> in the course of a long stint of pastoring that you wouldn't learn if you're just an associate pastor or you just kind of fly in, fly out as an itinerant minister. And obviously that's one of the reasons that I have so much respect for you guys is, again, I haven't heard your story in as much detail, but I knew your story and, and knew that, you know, obviously there's a, there's a, a level of maturity and qualification that time alone will give you. And so I'm, I'm just so glad to hear that. And so, gosh, that's amazing, though, that you were able to transition out of a just a, a season of deep pastoring mm -hmm. and begin to transition. So did you go to school at Bethel? How did that work? 
What did you do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We um we we didn't want to hurt the hack that we've led for twenty some years, and they weren't ready for everything that that we would love to have brought if if God was going to show up in the visitation. So we said, we'll we'll help you find another pastor. We're going to go to school uh, at BSSM. So we we transitioned the congregation, came in 2011, and uh, we both, Susan went to school two years, I went to all three years of BSSM. And then by God's grace and his favor, uh, I was asked to be one of the revival group pastors in second year. And we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're so thrilled to be in Reading, obviously, and to be at Bethel and to be serving the movement. That's so good. That's so good. And so you you've been in first year or second year. Uh, just if you're if you're watching this for the first time and you're not familiar, there's different wonderful different schools of ministry around the nation, around the world, and I love them all. And I've been connected with many of them over the years. But one of my favorites is BSSM. It's Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. It can be a little controversial if you just look it up online, but but it's just one of the most on fire schools that I've ever been associated with. And the students are amazing. There's a passion for Jesus that is just unquenchable. And um, and so you've had a role of being, and they have a first and second year program and then a third year program that's more of an internship type thing, although they wouldn't use that word, but it's but it's sort of an apprenticeship. And um, where were your primary focus? Was it in the first year where people are learning identity and stuff like that? Or was it in the second year where they're moving more towards actual ministry and leadership? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, we're called to be in the second year environment, leadership, um, sending them out, and uh, we love serving together uh, as as pastors. And uh, the students are awesome, and it's fun to be with students that are so hungry. Different than the congregation, because sometimes you just get people to come to the church, and they don't know actually what they want. The students are paying to be here, and they just want more Jesus. Yeah, no, and and honestly, like my daughter has been one of the main pastors in mm-hmm. in uh, BSSM up till about a year ago, and she moved out with a, a new church plant that came out of Bethel to uh, Greenville, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and so. But her name Melissa Casey, and she's just been one of the main teachers there as well in second year and working with Gabe Valenzuela, who's the director of that that year program, and so I'm I'm. Pretty in touch. Yes, of course, uh, you know, in my role when I was there, now I'm, I've moved on. But while I was there leading the church leadership track, which was mostly focused on second year students. And we generally had between 100 and 150 students in that class who were all aiming towards pastoral ministry. Now, what? tell me a few of just a, a testimony or two or a surprise or two that came that has come out of your nine years leading students in that way? Like, you know, what have you seen? What what was new to you? What surprised you as you kind of went forward? Oh, I, uh, it was so fun to come. And, and there's older people in the school like we were 11 years ago, but uh, it was so fun to come and realize, okay, I have we have history with God. We have maturity. We have we have work experience. We have ministry experience, but we needed more of the Holy Spirit, we needed more of the anointing. So it was, was glorious to go up to, to all the young whippersnappers that were in our class with us and just say, would you please impart to me? Would you please just give me what you have because you grew up with this and you were powerful and we really didn't miss a chance hardly to say, just give me what you got. And, and the fun part 
partisan. Now we're older and anointed. So we've got the, we got the full deal. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting if, if you're just listening to us for the first time, unfamiliar with this world, you know, we definitely believe that God is alive and real and that God can actually touch us and, and, and move in our midst supernaturally. That we believe that what happened in the scripture is not just for the scripture, it's for today. And so if this is unfamiliar to you, um, there's a revolution going on in the church that, you know, if, if this is new to you, gosh, join in, dive in. And, and exactly what, what uh, Paul just said, you know, ask for prayer, get prayer from people who have, you know, even if it's a little strange or un unfamiliar to you. I remember the first time that, you know, because we had been part of a Pentecostal kind of background, but we rarely saw signs and wonders. It was just not very common in the background that I was trained in. Um, but then when I met this man named John Wimber, and I went to this big conference that was, you know, 2,500 people, it was his first big event, and uh, there was such an impartation there that we got prayer, got touched by God tremendously, went back to San Francisco where I was a pastor, and literally things began to break out spontaneously without us even doing anything. It was just, you know, the, the, the first testimony we gave at this little Assemblies of God church, um, a girl fell out of her seat and started slithering across the floor screaming. And it's like, whoa, what was that? You know, because we all believed in supernatural things. We just rarely saw them. And so, again, we have a similar story to you guys. So, but we then just started getting prayer every single time we could. And the same thing happened when we went to Toronto in the mid-90s. And then the same thing happened a little later in, in, the, in the later 2000s, where we went into another 275 nights of outpouring. We believe that, you know, God wants to release. And we believe absolutely that we're on the verge of a new wave. Yes, yes, yes. So talk about that a little bit. What are you guys seeing as you look at the, you know, the sort of the surfing the waves of God's movement? There's lulls, the, the tide goes out, the tide comes in. You know, obviously we want to have sustainable revival as Bill Johnson talks about, mm -hmm. but we also realize there's ebbs and flows. How, how are you guys riding that right now? Oh, I, we, we're very excited to, uh, I'm excited for everybody listening or listens to this and for all of us here that we're not going to miss it and we're going to be a part of it. And I feel like God has set us all up wherever we're at in our walk with Christ. If we're hungry for him, we're going to be a part of the greatest move of God. And therefore, what is your gift that God wants to use in this wave, in this tsunami of salvation coming for us? It would be the, the desire to nurture all the little babies that uh, are going to come out of the billion to harvest spiritual yes. baby that need uh, discipleship, that need uh, 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 help to be whole and to be whole. We're just we're excited um, to be a part of that aspect. Of it. That's so good. And I want to transition to talk about your book. But before I do, let me just mention that that I wrote a book with Banning Leapshire, the head of uh, Jesus Culture, and Bill Johnson put in a chapter in this book. And it's called uh, Revival Culture, Prepare for the Next Great Awakening. So this is really dear to my heart. How do we prepare? And this is really kind of the core of your book, too, is how do we get ready? Because if I, I one time ran the math on it, you know, if we're expecting a billion souls to come to Christ <laughs> and we want to pastor them at a one per hundred ratio, we need 10 million new pastors. Okay. In other words, it's daunting to think about 
And 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 so you wrote a book on this. You wrote a book on how do we actually um, position ourselves to be the caregivers, the disciple makers, the the ones who are raising up the next generation. Talk about your book, why you named it, what you named it, kind of where it came from, how you kind of partnered in the book, because both of you were kind of co-authoring in a sense. So give us a picture of, of the process of this book coming together. Yeah, I think you know the whole idea of ten thousand new pastors. <laughs> a million. No, ten million. Ten million. We're pastoring a billion souls at a one per hundred. It's ten million. Wow. You guys. Wow. Oh, it's like whoa. Okay, that's no. Hold on one second. That's a thousand Bethel schools turning out <laughs> a thousand graduates who are ready to pastor. Wow. Every year for ten years, a thousand wow. times a thousand times ten is a billion. Okay, wow. so anyway, keep going. <laughs> yeah, so that's like an all hands on deck kind of, <laughs> kind of thing, and I think that's where our uh, the book was birthed is realizing that everybody needs to know how to to nurture, how to pastor, how to bring people. Not just the pastor, hard ones. Right, and so uh, that's the equipping the saints. It's the this revival is a is an everyday person, every day, every saint revival, every person. Whether you're in Hollywood, whether you're a mother in a home, whether you're an interior decorator with a team, whether you're an apostle with a team, um, yes, you're teaching them how to do apostle-like things, but you're also the one that gets to care for their soul, care for their body, care for their process as they mature. Wow. Well, keep going, you guys. This is good. Keep hitting us. Uh, yeah, we we just believe very strongly that um, that everyone who has a team or a family or people that they're mentoring or um, influencing, influencing, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. To, we need to create a culture of nurture around us where yes. we not only train them and teach them in the um, in the skills that we love, whether it be interior decorating or whether it be writing po poetry, but we care for them in their process because team members, babies make messes. Are we willing to put up and, and work with their messes or do we only need them in our sphere when they are beneficial to us or to our yes. lives? Yes, and that is such a key issue. You know, um, one of the things that I've taught on a lot is three kinds of churches. The first is fantasy church, where we just go through the motions but never get anywhere. But the answer to that by some people is factory church, where they really utilize people to produce an outcome, but the care is not there. The developmental emphasis is not there. They do delegation fairly well, but not development. Mm -hmm. And children need to be developed. So we need a family model for church. We need fathers and mothers raising up sons and daughters into full maturity if we want to see this every member um, dynamic occur. And so what have you guys yes. learned about the every member sort of mobilization? How does that work in your world? Um, clarify your question. <laughs> okay, so... Obviously, our goal, you know, okay, my personal mission statement is to help pastors build thriving churches that maximize the mobilization of every member 
for ministry according to their God-given design and destiny. <laughs> That's my personal sort of motto, okay? Um, that sounds like it's, it's just right in the center of your hearts as well. How do you maximize the mobilization? In other words, if we're raising up sons and daughters, they come to us as babies, they need to be raised up through infancy, toddlerhood, childhood. How do we raise them up to be the caregivers yeah, of the next right. crop of sons and daughters? And a lot of that is looking at how Jesus did it with his people, with his disciples. With his family, his team. And that's yeah. what he did. He created family around him. And and he he wasn't thrown off by their process. It, that could take James and John, sons of thunder, to be, you know, John to be the one who wrote beloved let us love one another yes. <laughs> love is from god you know the one who had his head on jesus chest by the end john's got this incredible revelation of love and tenderness changing from changing from i want to call down fire on this city to if you don't love you don't know god wow that's, that's a so process good. he went through in the presence of jesus for three years in the wow. mentoring of jesus. so the the maximize the mobilization is actually it's it takes time and it takes intention and, mm -hmm. um, and it takes relationships mm -hmm. so that's it's not something you just teach somebody it's a come alongside yeah. and i'm going to walk with you on this journey and come walk with me on this journey and i'm going to show you the most excellent way um, so that they can pass it on, like you already said, Michael, to the next generation, because pastors aren't supposed to be their savior or their mentor forever. They're supposed to train them, teach them, make them whole so they can help other people become whole. That's right. And that's really the Great Commission. I mean, if you really want to break it down, it really is, you know, and using family language, it's, you know, raising up infants into full maturity so they can turn and raise up the next generation. And so, but unfortunately, you know, the church has not been traditionally excellent at that. You know, we've, we've gotten pretty good at Sunday services, mm -hmm. but Sunday services generally don't produce that kind of outcome. You know, it might fill the head with knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, love builds up. How do you guys see, because, you know, being in, in, in Bethel School, where in a sense, everything's organized around development. Mm -hmm. So you guys get to actually experience this in an amazing way, but you've also pastored for over two decades. So you know the challenges of trying to do development within a pastoral structure. Mm -hmm. Okay, And not everybody can break free from their lives to go to Bethel School. How do you guys see this idea of walking with people in this depth that you're describing in a non-school structure, like mm. in a normal church atmosphere? How can that work? And what have you guys seen that does work? I, I, think, it's, I think it is putting the emphasis back on people, building big people instead of building big ministries or mm. churches or buildings. We, we are not just pastors, but any leader who has people that they are helping grow um, gets to enter into their life. 
gets to care about their failures, care about their successes, and love them through things so that they can do the same for somebody else. But but that takes time. And that takes vulnerability on the leader's part to say, I don't know everything. I'm not sure what I'm doing right now. And that makes the, the team members go, oh, I don't have to have it all together because we're in process together. Right. And if, if we think that if we think that we are or someday will be fully mature this side of heaven, then we put that expectation on our team members and they're they're in process. We get to be a safe place where they get to make mistakes, where they get to have victories, and we either cry with them or we do happy dances with them when they succeed because we care about them. That's and, awesome. And I think a big piece of it, and super simple, but knowing, mm -hmm. knowing the sheep, knowing the people yes. that you're with, knowing them. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not sitting down and having a counseling session with them regularly, but even, um, you know, if you're in the marketplace, asking, you know, taking the time to ask, how are you doing? How's your marriage? How's your marriage? Or how's your family going? How's everything mm -hmm. going? You know, it's, it's those little pauses. It's not, you know, you, you're, you're not taking away from the vision of you know, using an example of a marketplace. You know, if you're running a, running a business, you're not taking away from that. You are, you are enhancing it. You're still building family within that. And you're saying you matter. You know, this is not just, you're not just working for me. You are a part of making this vision happen. Um, and yeah matter to me even when you're not a part of this vision and it's and it's not it's not letting the busyness of life of church of marketplace get the best of us and we forget oh we have a team and they i get to care for them yeah that the kingdom of heaven is primarily about people yeah always is regardless of what branch of if you're in the military or if you're in the you know if you're in a medical sitting or whatever it's all about people Jesus didn't die for concrete. He died for people. <laughs> and so even when we say, oh, I want to win my city for Christ, we're not talking about the concrete. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about the city park. We're talking about the people in the city. And so that kind of approach is so important. One thing I want to go back to just for a second here is you're talking about process. Now, there's, you know, I believe in a teaching called the finished work of Christ. OK, but some people take that to an illogical extent where they would say, okay, because the finished work of Christ is so finished, um, I don't need to go through process. I'm as whole, you know, in other words, they, the, the, the sanctification process gets ignored a little bit. And I just, you know, and, and I, I have to be perfect now, in a sense, because it all happened 2,000 years ago at the cross is kind of the way that it gets interpreted sometimes. I believe in the finished work, but here's the deal is you talked about John, you know, the sons of thunder, Jonathan James. Uh, I think about Peter, you know, yes. Peter had some issues <laughs> all the way up to the very ascension of Jesus. He had issues. And then if you read the book of Galatians carefully, Paul had to rebuke Peter. Now we're roughly 10 years later or seven years later, however long it was, because he was still kowtowing to the fear of man, even though he was the rock on which Jesus established the yes. church. Yes. So it was like, so even Peter was still in process at that point. You know, oh. talk about process a bit more. 
because obviously babies are born with two things. One is immaturity and one is with kind of a selfish nature. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, and those are different, you know, maturity is something that just takes time, you know, um, a selfish nature takes some repentance. <laughs> how, how have you guys dealt with both of those aspects? Just the gradual growth of somebody into maturity, which is not immaturity is not necessarily sin. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just the lack of development. On the other hand, there are also sinful things. How do you guys deal with that, especially with students? Because I know that students come to you not very perfect sometimes. Right, right, right. I love but, it. I love it. I love it. And I just want to say this, Michael, that you you are both uh, I, watching you, hearing you, being with you for a little, you know for some years here. You are both have apostolic vision of thirty thousand feet up, but you're also a pastor. That is a to me a rare gift to have both those and perhaps other gifts together. That's what makes you the powerful man you are. Okay. Thank you for having both of them because sometimes uh, sometimes apostolic people just want to move forward and the people they're they're people that they're mentoring get left in the dust. That's what we don't want to happen. And and we're talking about that right now. Sure. Um uh, sure. I we love it that we when a baby, when a child begins to walk, we champion their half a step and their tumble. And we say, you just did it. You just wow you walked and they didn't actually walk. Uh uh and and so that's what when it comes to babies, spiritual babies, we're gonna champion them when they make when they take a partial step and they maybe they um they make a mess or or they went up they chase somebody in a wheelchair when we're not supposed to chase them in a wheelchair we're supposed to just be available for them in the wheelchair um, to pray for them um but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna champion cheer them on uh when it comes to sin or selfishness i had a girl in my office the other day hey one of my students and she just loves jesus so much she's so on fire I I recommended her for all kinds of stuff because she just carries the love and the power of Christ. But she told me how she went a little too far with her boyfriend and she's crying in my office. Pastor, I don't want to be like this. I help me. Well, I'm not going to beat her up. She's already repentant and she Mm -hmm. knows the right and wrong. She just needs some tools or some counseling to beat this thing. That's, that's trying to, trying to make, you know, hold her back from purity. That's so good. That's so good. Well, why don't you take a moment and just sort of take us through the chapters of your book? You know, um, give us a picture of kind of how the book builds and where it ends up so that, you know, and then obviously we want we want your book to be in the chat room. I, I'm sure it's available on Amazon. It is. It's, it's, you know, so give us a picture. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Um, yeah, the, the book is actually divided up into three sections receiving the culture of nurture, extending the culture, and then sustaining the culture. So so because because not everybody is blessed to go through the open heart surgery of first year BSSM and figure out your identity, the first three, four chapters are about identity and who in Christ, because often what we uh, uh, what we perceive about ourselves is how we treat other people, and if we don't have our identity in place, and knowing that we are unpunishable and we are fully forgiven, and God smiles at us even even in the midst of sin, He still loves us. Um, then we will treat other people that way with that confidence and that beauty too. 
Um, the second section is very, very practical and, and um, specific. How do we extend the culture of nurture? Well, it's making, it, making your team a safe place to grow, realizing that people start might start small in terms of what the giftings they carry or even their maturity but we get to we get to nurture it we get to champion it um and then into into into, into other things like leading with joy and confidence um combating the world's hardness and harshness with our tenderness um, mm. um uh, reinforcing our personal structure, personal mentoring structure in terms of our integrity. How do uh, can we withstand the 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 poles of fame or the poles of people uh, exalting us? And are we able then to teach our our, our students or our teams that um, becoming a compassionary? Just just very practical story, lots of stories on how do we get to love our teams. Um, so that they can do the same to the next generation. The third, the third right. section is sustaining the culture, and this is where uh, we share stories and our own growth in the last thirty years. Of, of, uh, well, but I, I have, uh, I have compassion fatigue right now. Why do I have that? I don't feel like caring for my students. I'm tired. Or, or we say we say that mentoring is a marathon. How do we prepare ourselves every day so we actually love our students and we're tired? But how do we set ourselves up for the day to meet our team and be fully present? Um, other things in terms of uh, building family, not just teams. We want to. We 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 have a gift for families we have adopted three of our children one biological and we just we just love building family wow well terry core uh, just put in the uh, chat room that he loves the book already even before reading it so it really carries some of that that heart you know thank you so much for giving us that picture of this process because again you know you're leading us through a developmental process even at reading the book how do we become that kind of nurturing leader that actually really helps people become the fullness of who God's called them to be? Before we dive into a little bit more stuff, because I want to go into a little bit more, I just want to say a couple of words about what we're doing here at Leaders Alliance again. Welcome for those of you who are a part of what we're doing. We're just uh, we're, we're so excited to even showcase people like uh, Paul and Susan, like some of the others we've had on for this year. We've had Leif Hetland on. We've had uh, we've had John. John uh, Carol Arnott on. We've had some other amazing leaders, a young entrepreneur who's building uh, resources for the local church. I mean, it's just, it's fun to be able to present to you people who are pioneering in the kingdom in different directions to see God's purposes come to pass. And you can obviously find us at leadersalliance.org. And we have obviously some free training that we want to make available to you, but we also have some uh, a membership. And if you want to join us, we have some tools that we believe will help you become the leader that God's called you to be and be able to impact the world in a way that produces tangible, measurable results. And part of that is to support you in your development as a leader, touching some of the things that Paul just talked about, your identity in Christ and 
who are you internally? Because if you can't lead yourself by the grace of God and by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a hard time leading others. So we in our, our foundation leadership course, our kingdom leadership foundations is called, we want to guide you through a developmental process. It's mostly internal, but ultimately lays the foundation for your external impact. And then our second advanced course goes into tremendous focus. These are in 10-minute segments, so they really do, uh, you know, they're bite-sized. You can listen to one a day and just get a little shot in the arm about how you're processing your own development as a leader. Uh, we have um, eight hours in the first uh, teaching, the foundations course. We have 12 hours in the advanced course, but they're broken into 10-minute segments, so a ton of content. And... Um, and then we have uh, obviously about 500 hours of other content online as well. So anyway, our goal is to help you become the person, the leader God's called you to be in the way that Susan was talking about. Everyday members of the body of Christ raising their leadership level to be able to be the impactors, the influencers, the, the world changers that God's called you to be. So let's get back to uh, Paul and, and Susan. And I want to just talk a little bit more about maybe specifically about leadership because we're Leaders Alliance, and that's part of what we're talking about. And certainly, nurture is part of leadership. In fact, Wimber created a whole leadership structure, and the final two aspects of leading leaders was monitor and nurture. Mm. Like, you use those two, two words specifically. And, and so the fact that you chose those words, I think, is significant. But, you know, but and that's obviously one key to effective leadership. What are some of the other things you've learned? in leading others that you think would be helpful for our listeners right now to be able to kind of grab a hold of? Are there any leadership keys that you guys have discovered along the way, both in your pastoral season and now in your mentoring season at the school? Yeah, I think one of the things that Paul mentioned before is um, don't be afraid of vulnerability. Don't be afraid to mm -hmm. say, I don't know, mm -hmm. or I was wrong or I need help, um, that's huge. Sometimes as leaders, we feel like we have to have it together or um, or people won't trust us. There's actually a lot of trust that's built when we say, I, I, I need help here or, I'm, um, or I, I messed up, I was wrong. Um, wow. So I think vulnerability has, has been, uh, a, and Paul's gotten a lot of feedback um especially through the pastoral track you know people saying i i so appreciate this i have you know i've had leaders in the past that were not vulnerable and and so then it kind of skews um skews their minds of what they are supposed to be as a leader suddenly they get this picture that well i need to have it all together i can never be wrong or mm -hmm. not admit mm -hmm. i'm wrong mm -hmm. i can never say that i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> Um, and so it puts this false, this false expectation. But it, but it's also very freeing to the leader to be able to admit that and use it as a teaching point for your mentees. I often, when I'm leading a room, whether it be ten people or sixty-five or more, um, and I, the Lord's moving, and I'm not sure exactly what to do next because we're waiting on Him. We're, we're, we're no, we know He's here. So I go up to my lead, my my third years, my interns, or other second year students. I say, "What do you think God's doing, and how should we respond?" 
and they're blown away that I would ask them. Well, first of all, I need the help. Second of all, I want to know. Well, I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the catch me how. And they they hear the Lord too. That's so good. You know, one like to pause here for a moment because this is such an important point. Is that um, there was a book written by uh, Patrick Lancioni called "The Five Dysfunctions of a Team," and the principal issue he identifies is the issue of trust. The trust is, and everybody says this, Maxwell says that every, every teacher on leadership says, well, trust is the currency of leadership. But when trust, unfortunately, leaders have a tendency to violate trust. And if we don't humble ourselves and admit our, our mistakes or, or ask for forgiveness or become vulnerable, I don't know the answer to that question or to, that, to the next step. Um, unfortunately, we can actually overpromise and underdeliver. Mm-hmm. And that produces a breach of trust because people begin to think that we're not able to fulfill our promises or to keep our word. And, and I think vulnerability and humility are crucial to rebuilding trust if you have made mistakes. And it's also crucial to keeping trust alive in a, in a relationship and to keep loyalty uh, alive. Now, again, can you, but is there ever a time when you can be overly vulnerable to a point yeah. where, where you can actually erode trust on the other side of the equation? I think the Holy Spirit has to lead us, uh, lead our humility. So it's not, we're not sharing, oh, I just had a huge fight with my wife and she moved out of the house last night. Exactly. And I'm going to share that the next day with your team. But, right. but, um, but, uh, yeah, no, of course, there's there's eroding the trust, eroding the, the what you built. But but to be able to share, I'm having a bad day this morning, and I had my quiet time this morning, and I, I'm just kind of angry inside. I don't know what it is. Would you pray for yeah. me, team? That's beautiful. Yeah, that's so good. No, that's, that's a super important one. So I think vulnerability is key. And I've been, you know, I, I think there's been seasons where I felt the pressure to be have all the answers and to be the sort of Johnny on the spot, you know, perfect leader. And uh, <laughs> first of all, I can't do it. And second of all, mm-hmm. acknowledging the fact that I can't do it because everybody sees I can't do it um, <laughs> actually was yeah. what rebuilt the bridges of trust. Okay. So mm-hmm. other, maybe another key or two that you guys have discovered beyond vulnerability, what, what would you say are a couple of other keys? Uh, another key, I believe, is what we would call staying in your lane or rejoicing mm-hmm. with the gifts that God has given you. And don't don't try to be somebody else. Uh, back in 2019, uh, when I was at the Send, the wonderful uh, evangelistic outreach uh, in Florida, I believe it was, um, I, I was worshiping. And it's all these evangelists up on stage, Michael Kulihanos and, and, and others that are just beautiful, beautiful people. And, and the Lord said, Paul, don't try to be like them. I've actually not made you the, the, the electric guitar or the drums as we were worshiping. He said this, he said, I've made you the violin or the bass. You revel in the fact that you are needed as a pastor in this whole movement, but, but you're going to, you might be behind the scenes more, but the, the band's not complete without you. 
you need the sound of the violin. And sometimes when apostles are up front, the prophets are directing things, people who have a pastoral nurturing gift sometimes feel like, oh, where do I fit in? Oh, we, we fit in by doing what God's called us to do, to nurture the people uh, and, and, and revel in that. And, and I've, had to, I've had to grow in that and say, no, I'm going to stick in my lane and I love what I'm doing. Amen. That is such a profound and important thing because comparison and competition will destroy the body of Christ. Celebration, on the other hand, is what keeps us in our lane. It's like, you know, and that's one thing we have to be careful to, because, again, you know, every every season, every movement has its own kind of uh, um, sort of the pinnacle that we celebrate. And sometimes pastors don't get celebrated as much as they should be. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that people will emulate what you celebrate, we can kind of see, you know, that was one of my challenges early on coming to Bethel School was that 50% of the students I talked to wanted to be itinerants yeah, right. and go from church to church, blowing them up with, you know, supernatural stuff because that's what we celebrate. And very few wanted to actually pastor people for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, wow. We need to start celebrating pastors again. We need to show people what a noble calling, what a powerful calling, what perhaps the most essential calling in the body of Christ, even though it's one of the least glorious in the mm-hmm. sense of, you know, conferencing and what all the other, you know, oh, I get to be on the Grammys or whatever. You know, it's like, no, you probably won't get a whole lot of thanks this side of heaven. Except, but it's a noble, it's a noble task, and uh, if we're called to it, God will reward us now and in the future. Yes, and that's really where you know I feel like uh, you know I've been drawn a lot even recently to Psalm twenty-three. It's probably the best manual for pastoral ministry in the Scripture, and looking at the ultimate pastor, which God, the Lord is my shepherd. But how do we understand the pastoral call? How do we understand both the building dimension, you know, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, the protection dimension, the provision dimension, all those things are so real. And I see that really exemplified in both of you. And it's something that I believe needs to be, uh, it needs to be spotlighted a bit more. Because I think if we spotlighted it more, actually probably more people, more younger leaders, emerging leaders would be attracted to that profession and um and i and think we, it's time and we need 10 bill 10 million anyways yes <laughs> yes and that's really you know one thing that i you know i i think we have to remember that culture is built through celebration and through testimony mm-hmm. and the things that we want to build or that we want the features we want to have be exemplified um can't be neglected and so, again, like, you know, I, I just think it's time. It's time for us to, you know, shout this from the housetops. If we're going to see a billion souls raised up in Christ, we need millions of new leaders. Okay. How can we see that happen? And how can we do it in a way? There's one final thing, and then we probably need to wrap up. I want to get to is, you know, so far you guys have described a little bit more of the, the what I would consider the organic process of mentoring and developing and nurturing okay which i believe is essential 
And if it's not organic, then it has the danger of becoming artificial. Mm -hmm. But also there is such a thing as program. And how do we program nurture care and love? In other words, are there systems or structures? Like you look at the human body. We have an infrastructure of skeleton. We have a, a blood system that flows throughout it all. We have a circuit, you know, we have the uh, the pulmonary system, you know, which is the circulatory system. We have the, the digestive tract. We have the sexual organs. It's like we have these systems. Are there systems that you've discovered that help to provide a little bit more framework, a little bit more predictable processes rather than just purely random? Because we have the customized, you know, we want we want to customize our care to the individual. But there's also a set of norms that every individual has. What's your relationship to the structural and the organic? That's a yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I I think in in some ways, um, like one on one meetings, and like certain things that you just incorporate. This is just what we do. This is part of. You know, there's organic, this may happen on a daily basis, but I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting, even if it's, you know, just with your kids having, we did that with our, with our son. We're going to take you out and we want to know how are we doing as parents? <laughs> what do you yeah. need from us? Um, so that there was a structure where he could, he, he knew I, I can give you feedback. I can express my needs. Um, That's so or good. intentionally having you know, if it's a monthly team, this is just for fun. This is, you know, we're going to do something that's intentionally, we're, right. we're incorporating joy and fun and connection. Oh, yeah. And, and a couple more little specific things would be, I mean, this is not a program, but specific things that I ask my students on their one-on-one -on -one is, okay, to be a revivalist, you got to have some of the basics in place. How are you eating? How are you sleeping? How are you exercising? How are you doing with your quiet time? How are you doing with your community? And asking them to make sure that they have those things mm. going well, because we can go, we can, we can burn out, or we can, we can flame out if we don't have those things in place. Or I love asking questions like, um, when the devil comes at you, what is the main flame arrow that he shoots at your head of salvation mm. and trying to hide? That's so good. I, I want to start plugging for your daughter and for Haley, Melissa and Haley. Their uh, their teaching course that just came out. Mm. Uh, they taught it year for years. That would <laughs> that helps people get in touch with their heart and maturity, and gives gives the leaders uh, things to maybe talk about. So I don't know if you if you have that yeah. link. For no, um, actually, yeah. If you could, Jordan, put the link in. It's it's actually called. Uh, what is it called? Checking your vitals, I believe yeah, it's called. Yes, yes. And it's with Haley Braun and Melissa Casey, my daughter. Mm -hmm. And uh, they go into great depth and detail about how to really begin to categorize your processes and mm -hmm. how to begin to take concrete steps. And uh, and we've had some other good comments in the in the chat room as well about the process of both and some of the stuff you just shared about some of the I don't know, some of the default questions we would ask people. And, and we've done a tremendous work on that in, in, uh, in, in our world as well with Destiny Finder. Destiny mm -hmm. Finder is a tool that actually assesses gifting, but it's more than that. We also help you kind of define your, your God-given dream. And then we create a life map for you 
that becomes a process generator for a mentoring relationship mm -hmm. so that we can actually come in and say, oh, well, you set these goals. I want to help you go there. I'm not your boss. I'm your coach. I want to help you win the Olympics, the gold medal. Tell me how I can help you. Yeah. And that's really, you know, the, the, the mentoring nurture dynamic taken to another level of specificity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we be more specific in terms of what you believe your calling is and the process that you have over the next 10 years of getting there? We want to walk that journey with you by identifying some of the pitfalls, some of the sabotage points, as you said, some of the flaming arrows yes. <laughs> that yes. the enemy would shoot at you. And then let's, let's, covenant together to take those things away to see them diminished as we move forward and so again you know that tool is is available for you all destinyfinder.com uh, supplies that tool but again i feel like um also i want to just say a plug for bssm that if mm -hmm. you are considering you know going to any ministry school there's many good ones out there and there's new ones popping up all the time mm -hmm. Um, but there's very few that, that can actually deliver the comprehensive impact that BSSM can. And so I want to encourage you to check it out at uh, BSSM.com. Is that correct? Or do you know what the actual... Uh, BSSM.org, I think. .org, yeah. And, and also, you may be, you know, blessed enough to have Paul and Susan be your uh, revival group leaders and we'd second love, year. We'd love yeah. to do that. You'll, you'll never be the same if you if you if you if you come like any ministry school, it will just change your life, especially with people like Melissa and Haley. And and it's just awesome. Amen. So yeah, so look up that that training that they've just released, powerful training. But but so we need to wrap up in just a couple minutes here. What would be your final sort of pastoral equipping the saints advice for a listener who's on today that, you know, maybe something you haven't quite shared yet, or maybe you shared it, but it needs a little bit more touch. What would you say to them to position themselves to be used of God in this coming season where the Holy Spirit's being poured out in a great harvest? Um, I think First of all, recognizing that just like we are all called to prophesy, we are all called to evangelize, you know, we are all called to nurture. Um, so if you have not grown up in a home where you learned that organically, where you learned to nurture and to care and connect relationally, um, then our encouragement is get the resources. There's been a ton listed <laughs> here during this program. Um, get, get those, tap into those resources so that you can learn the skills, but really get the heart of who Jesus is for you. Um, and so that you can replicate that heart to the people around you. Because the spirit of Jesus inside of you will, will come out with all his love, all his power, all his wisdom, and everything else we could list for the sake of building up the saints, for equipping the saints, for nurturing the saints. Amen. That is so excellent, you guys. Seriously. And that's really what true fivefold pastors do, mm -hmm. is they not only pastor others, which is awesome, they do what they say they are, but they also equip. They equip others to be pastoral. 
And so again, sometimes I've heard complaints. Oh, I go to this church. The pastor isn't pastoring me. Well, actually, that's only part of their job. Their real job, according to verse 12 of Ephesians 4, is to train you to pastor others, mm -hmm. to impart to you the pastoral heart of Jesus so that you can actually be the nurturer, the caregiver, and that other, others around you can also care for you. That ultimately, that the, that the, that the giftings of Christ are disseminated, they're atomized into the body of Christ so that every member is carrying every aspect of Christ Amen. And being Amen. able to function in that aspect as a caregiver, as a soul winner, as a prophetic, you know, voice hearer, proclaimer, as a teacher of the word. We are all called to function in all aspects of Christ. We will naturally favor one or, or two because of our God-given wiring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we're exempt from being the nurturer, the caregiver. Right, right. So and, and so we're so happy you're on the call today to bring that impartation to us. Can you guys just pray that impartation to us? Just yes. pray it over us so that we can actually receive not only the wisdom you just disseminated, but we can also receive that spiritual grace that you carry. Jesus, thank you that wherever there were any gaps in any listener for their nurturing, that you are filling it in right now because you can do that. You go back in time, you in time and you ask you God to remind everyone of who they are in Christ, how full of the Holy Spirit as a Christian they are, and how beautiful, how powerful, how lovely they are. And um, like I tell my students, they really look good, they smell good, they sound good because the Spirit of Jesus is in them. And God, we just release anything that we've learned, anything that we've cultivated, the gifts that you've given to us that just came, just came because you were gifting us. We just release a pastoral gifting. We impart the 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 deep love of Jesus that that heals all violations of love, um, just by our very presence, by our very hugs, by our very words, by our smile. Jesus, we just want to be conformed to the image of you and then let your tsunami of love, nurture, care, joy flow from us. So take it, we release it, and we say, God, may you may you uh, set us all up to nurture and be one of those 10 million pastors, not, not in the church, necessarily in the church only, but in whatever sphere we have influence, yes. we get to love the babies and help them mature so they can mature somebody else in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been such a good talk. And uh, I hope all of you listening, either now live or in the future, really could, you know, take that in and receive that from the Lord. Because we believe, you know, Paul talks about the gift that was given you through the laying on of my hands. So we want to encourage you, subscribe to this channel, Catch the Fire, uh, CTF, Leaders Alliance, visit our website, and also buy this incredible book. Okay? It's called, what? Say it again. Equipping Saints. Saints. And, it, and the subtitle is also powerful. Could you read the it's, subtitle? Uh, it's, it's raising up everyday revivalists who sustain the move of God.
Johnny. Amen. So God bless you guys, and hopefully we'll see you again soon. God bless. Yeah.